Good morning, Hobo Sapiens. It's a wonderful Sunday morning in London. It was my birthday yesterday, so I, I came down to London straight from Leeds and uh, came to stay with my brother and sister-in-law and my nephew. And my mum came up as well, and uh, that was really nice. So we had a lovely day, just having food and sitting around watching TV and stuff. It was really good. Um, I hope you're well. I hope you're really good. Uh, and enjoying whatever you're doing this time in general wherever you are this might be well into the future for all we know so i hope everything's going well under the new uh administration anyway um <laughs> i don't know don't know how this is going uh it's been a fantastic week i'm really loving this week it's been amazing i'll just say first of all this is uh episode nine with stuart blakeledge of the wonderful uh sweet chunks band uh if you know the sweet chunks band then you'll know uh, exactly who Stu is he's the man who sings and usually has the tightest of the leggings on and uh, and writes the wonderful songs like Bees and he's a fantastic animator and all sorts of things and he's a very smart, wonderful, clever, beautiful man um, and I really love him. I really love chatting to him. We, we spend, uh, whenever we do get together, we just chat, really good chat. I like it. Uh, this was recorded back in mm, summer. It was very, very hot. The reason why I'm saying that is because uh, the aircon unit that we were we just we just couldn't avoid this massive aircon unit that was happening. We recorded it at a, a YMCA in Southampton, um, where his radio show is based, and um, uh, and we yeah we had uh, this this massive aircon unit just just yelling all the way through it. Um, I'm I'm glad we're getting to this point of the uh, the podcast. Um, sometimes the uh, the audio has been a bit tricky to deal with because I started recording these things on a little zoom r16 or whatever it was called um which was like this little sort of i was carrying around essentially a massive mixing desk with me and a couple of microphones but as it never quite got it so every time i was sort of having to reduce uh ambient noise or whatever like that it's, it's, it's been a bit tricky but i think we got there um but then i've i've moved on to the uh the tascam dr x Five ninety six nine. I can't remember what the hell it's called. I'm holding it right now, but at the same time, I've moved on to that, which is a a much easier and smaller piece of kit, which I, I'm I'm very happy about. So yeah, so there's there is a, an, an aircon unit shouting all the way through this particular interview and chat. Um, <laughs> so enjoy it, enjoy the aircon as well, feel it. Um, so anyway, what's uh, what's happened this week? So I started the week in. Leicester. I started the week in Leicester. That was great. I love playing the shed in Leicester. Really nice people, good people. Saw these two guys, one guy who comes from Cardiff and another guy who comes from Sheffield. And they, whenever they work together, they actually work at the same company, but whenever they're working together in Leicester, they get together with a guitar and they go up on stage at the open mic and they sing a song or two. It's like a, and it's like a mayfly of music. And to be honest, it's, it's, you know, it's not the most polished and it's not the most amazing thing that you've ever seen. But at the same time, I love it. Absolutely love that. With these two guys, they literally go, should we do it in Leicester? All right, let's do it. Just really, really sweet. That was awesome. Uh, really fun gig. And then I had a flat battery the next morning in Leicester. Uh, but I sorted that out. Calm, cool as a cucumber. Uh, went to Nottingham, stayed with Eddie Johnston and Tamsin. Um... Uh, who are the nicest couple. I, I met Eddie a while ago, and uh, and he basically said, oh, you've got a day off, come to Nottingham, we'll we'll go do an open mic up the road. So we, we went and did a an open mic at the Six Barrel 
and uh, I had 15 minutes. Knocked out uh, spoons and Muslims' genitals and massive car and uh, absolutely nailed it. Really happy with myself. It felt good to go into one of those audiences that is just naturally chatty and not necessarily paying attention to anything and just absolutely nailed it. So I was really, really quite chuffed with myself. And, that, and Eddie and Tams were absolutely amazing, really lovely people. Uh, it was really refreshing. Then up to uh, Lancashire, up to Accrington to go stay with, uh, stay with Mark. Uh, Zero, as he's known from the, well, he's from, he's from a million bands. He's in a, a load of different things. He's an amazing guitarist and singer and, and sort of the linchpin of the, the live music scene in, in the sort of the Accrington area. Really nice guy. Uh, played a fun gig in Clayton. Uh, yeah, just seeing all the people. We had a massive group hug during that one. Uh, whilst I was in the pubes outfit, and someone was raspberrying my belly whilst I was surrounded by all these people. That was fun. <laughs> and um, then where was it? Oh, Huddersfield. Huddersfield. Uh, where I, I, was, I was captured by the wonderful family of Tom and Jane and their children. And they basically said, here, come stay with us. Have our home. Here's a key. And uh, they just let me uh, just in. They, they just like, like what I do so much. And that, uh, they, they just went, here you go. So I was staying with them, and uh, they're brilliant, absolutely brilliant, really good conversations, really nice. Just laughter and all that stuff, just that feeling of, of a bit of love and home. That's really, really good. The gig in Huddersfield at Coffee Evolution was hilarious, really good fun, really packed as well. It was really, really nice. It was um, Coffee Evolution was the first place I ever played in Huddersfield. And, uh, and yeah, it was, that, that was to about eight people, but out of those eight people... Uh, we we sort of built something up. It was really good, and uh, yeah, it was, it was it was really packed. It was really nice, and bought some coffee. Spent the day in Huddersfield, mooching around. Didn't get a haircut. Uh, should have got a haircut. Haven't had a haircut yet. Need a haircut. Um, I'm starting to look a little bit like uh, Ron Perlman in Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton. If you remember that TV show, I'm starting to look a bit like that. I think. Uh, and then <laughs> and then uh, then when was it? Day in Huddersfield. Went slowly, slowly, because you can't go fastly to Leeds. Um, played Slocken. Uh, that was really amazing. Everyone that turned out there, that was really good fun. Uh, we had uh, In Amongst the Cloud supporting. His name's Oliver, really. Uh, which did, and did one of the funniest sets I've ever, ever seen. He's just such a dry, lovely Yorkshire lad. And wrote some brilliant songs about uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and time and space and brilliant stuff. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Really, really awesome. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and then it was, uh, oh, and they gave me a birthday cake as well whilst I was on stage because it was my birthday coming in a couple of hours. And uh, so they gave me this brownie with a, a candle on and sang happy birthday to me. And we had a really nice time. And then uh, then I drove over overnight all the way to, to London, arrived about 7.30 in the morning with a few naps um, uh, here. And, and saw my family. Obviously, spent most of the day just sleeping and eating, and laughing. And uh, then we watched uh, three episodes of The Mandalorian. I don't know if I should say that or not because it's not out in the UK yet. But my brother, he um, he knows ways. Uh, he works technical magic somewhere. I'm not entirely sure how it all works. Anyway, um, that was really good. Now I'm just waking up, and I've got to go to Eastbourne tonight. Um, so if you listen to this, Eastbourne's happened, and that was amazing. Um, I'm just predicting it now. I can't believe that we fit 3,000 people into that small kitchen. Uh, so, But we did it, and what a great show. 
and I can't believe we also ended world hunger. So thanks, Eastbourne. Uh, then uh, Monday's off in Brighton. Going to just mooch around Brighton. Tuesday's Brighton the show, which is at the Gladstone. So that's that's when this comes out. So I'm in the Gladstone tonight. If you're listening on Tuesday morning, uh, then I'm up into Essex. I'm going to go Colchester, Three Wise Monkeys on Wednesday. Uh, then it's down to Wimbledon at the Traff on Thursday. Then it's Andover at the Rock House on Friday. The Tap Social Movement in Oxford on Saturday. That's quite an early show. I think it's about 5.30. You've got to... I'm hitting the stage. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, and then up to Shrewsbury for Sunday uh, for a quick gig at the new venue owned by the Albert Shed people, um, which I'm really excited about. It sounds like a really nice fun room. And hoping to catch up with the Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury um, the Shrewbs, as we like to call them. They call them Salopians, which are, uh, uh, which is apparently means um, uh, whorish bitch in a uh, French. Uh, <laughs> they call them salops um, up there. Apparently, it's a, an abbreviation of Shropshire, which doesn't work in in English either. But but yeah, salops. They're all salops. Love them. I love the Shrewbs. Uh, and then I've actually got a couple of days off. I've got a proper couple of days off, and I'm going to go oh, and just sleep for a bit and, and wash, just soak my bones. And then, oh, then it's on a bit more. I'll post, I'll post all the dates and the thing. Um, so, yeah, so this is episode nine with the amazing Stuart Blakelidge. And his word is stories. He's a storyteller, and uh, he loves stories. He loves he loves the way they work. He loves telling them. He loves being part of them. Um, so if you're if you're listening to to this and thinking, oh, I haven't really got much point in the world, just remember you're telling a story, and it's really lovely. Um, I'm gonna carry on looking at London for a second. I can see the bodega of Kew Gardens from where I'm stood right now, um, which is amazing, <laughs> amazing. Um, and I'm going to, uh, yeah, and then I'll be back at the end of this to tell you a few other things. All right. So have fun. Enjoy this. This is Stuart Blakelidge, episode nine, Hobo Sapien, with the word of stories. Stories. <laughs> John D. Revelator. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. So we were in the Hawthorns and saying to Simon, you need to play, well, you need to book the Sweet Chunks band. It's like, yeah, all right, yeah, all right. Uh, so uh, he will. Uh, and if I remind myself here, whilst we're recording, yeah. then I'll, I'll know exactly what that's about. Um, uh, so I, my, uh, what I've written down, I'm not going to really read my questions Yeah. Um, about... Uh, about you or that yeah. I want to ask you what I, what I want to know about is the fact that I think Stu Blakelidge of the Sweet Chunks Band is probably one of the funniest people I've seen on stage one of the loudest people I know um, and I know some loud people <laughs> and and and, uh, and also um, one of the uh, but also knowing you off stage you're one of the smartest people I know as well. It's it's a, I know, I know, but it's not terrifying in, on that front. It's um, it's more to do with you know you know history and you're quite a 
just a well-read person and it might come from films it might come from wikipedia i don't know but at the same time uh, what's your background in all this because i i find it fascinating when we sat down one day in the art house oh that wonderful little yeah chat. and yeah, you basically yeah. just went history and i'm like oh that's amazing so i didn't know that there's brilliant context for everything that's going on at the moment fact yeah. thanks um i think strangely enough um Obviously, I, I keep the uh, my uh, opinions to myself on stage, and I always have done because I, I, I don't want to be one of those bands that does the oh we don't do politics, but uh-huh. because yeah. I leave that to bands that like people like yourself who've got something to say, and that's your act and your thing. Yeah, and I just like entertaining people and being a clown. Like, yes. That's how I love to perform. Yeah, but I've always loved stories, um, and this comes from I think my grandfather and my dad. My dad less so weirdly because he doesn't he tells stories occasionally. Mm-hmm. But I think because his his dad would go on and on and on about every kind of story, true ones and fake ones, yeah. that my dad reacted against that. And I think I'm almost reacting against that in a way. So he's a quiet one and I'm a loud one. You're like the tales. Okay. Yeah, so we've always had in, a, in our family um, stories of all kinds of things, little nuggets of information and picking up stories. And also... Um, learning to tell stories on so hearing information and remembering it in a way where you can pass it on yeah. I love sharing uh-huh. uh, which is why I can talk on and on and on about things yeah. uh, but I will also be, uh, hold my hand up and go I don't know this part or I may have, I'm getting this wrong check it out for yourself yeah um, and so for all my life I've just been finding interesting facts of stuff and stories of interesting things rather than going oh yeah the earth is 6,842 miles across you know, is it? I, it's not okay. I don't know that's a guess I know it's 936 million miles to the sun yeah like yeah. stuff like that i can't remember <laughs> okay but um i like the the stories of things like looking yeah. at science the planets like the fact that um the um jupiter was the biggest threat to earth's existence in the early years of the solar system the early rival the, it, it was it wasn't even a rival it okay. was basically crushing everything okay. it destroyed miniature planets it's what flew flew through through, through the moon um, yeah a, a planet the size of the, the, the Mars into the su- into the earth which created the moon wow. and nearly destroyed us it, it, what believed, a fuck it's basically yeah there's the the, the story of the <laughs> if you created little cartoon characters it's a horrible little wanker that starts to destroy things that, yeah. that is, is particularly like that wiped out potential life on Mars okay. and at the same time the, it was the uh, meant to have been the uh, the source of the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, Jupiter. Okay. And then there's this point where Saturn moves close enough to Jupiter to change its orbit. Oh, is that my mates? And it literally, it seems it, that's the story. It's like, it's like Saturn went, "No, mate, don't. You, these people are great. These little planets. You've got to leave He's them alone." Not it, Jupiter. It's not, but it's sort of like, but, it, but in a way, it's sort of. Like, I've learned. I know what it's like to have 78 kids. <laughs> But you've got to look after your family, but they've got families too. Because I lost a child, mate. My own gravity ripped apart one of my moons, and now it lives around me in a ring. You don't want to end up like Uranus. Yeah, exactly. Wonky, and no one likes you. And so Jupiter at that point then goes, what, what have I done with my life? Oh, I should be creating life. And Saturn's like, you're right, mate, but now turn it around. And then Jupiter's like, you're right, I want more moons. I'm going to bring them in. And then Jupiter has apparently been from that point, went from trying to kill us, has now been protecting the inner, inner, inner solar system yeah. from massive asteroids for millions of years. Yeah. And it's basically our big mate. And it's sort of the, that wow. stuff I like. Yeah, I love, I love a good story Absolutely with a narrative. Yeah, narrative. Okay. So if there's, a, if there's a narrative or something interesting going on, I yeah. can latch onto it and tell a story and, tell it, and, I, okay. and I will freely admit I embellish stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. about yeah. stories. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, and I play a game with my wife that the, 
the bullshit game, which is this <laughs> fact that I've found, this story I'm about to tell you, is it true or false? Uh-huh. And I bought this game from my dad. Yeah. My dad and my grandfather and myself are rather good liars when it comes to stories. <laughs> In different ways. I have the posh middle class accent that yeah. if you say with a serious thing, anyone will believe any bollock coming yeah. out of your yeah. mouth. So All you... elephants are left handed. Exactly. Did, yeah. you, did you not know that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not true, it's polar bears. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, playing these sort of games, and my, my wife nowadays, I, I, it gives me a bit of fun with, with Lily, the fact that um, my other half, um, that She's her own half. She's her own half. Yeah, sorry. She's her own whole. Her, yeah. My other whole. She's your other whole. Um, for those listening, I'm putting my fingers together <laughs> yeah, in a pyramid. No, the, of the, the gesticulation is intense. Gesticulation. I'm flailing around. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so that game continues now. And I'm, I'm always worried that Lily would get bored. But Lily's always said, like, you know, she she enjoys my stupid yeah, stories. Everyone loves things. a liar. And he's, yeah, a, a liar, a benevolent liar. <laughs> I, could, I could use my powers for great evil, but I just do it to, to tell yeah, people oh, stuff. Don't, not at the moment. Um, uh, so when it comes to okay, so storytelling is storytelling, yeah. and uh, conveying information is another thing as well, part of storytelling. Yeah. But jokes are also storytelling. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a joke teller um, or a storyteller? I stories. stories okay. Teller, but I, I I try to think of, weirdly that I do. I've been con- thinking about recently um, of constructing stories with the idea of like a build up the reinforcement the punchline mm-hmm. of making them joke stories yeah, yeah. and then because I'm constantly editing as well because when I tell people stories I th- sort of think do I leave that bit do I stretch this part yeah, what yeah, makes yeah. the story yeah. funny and it, and I, I realised subconsciously I've been writing jokes in big story form for of ages course, yeah. so, but I, I think I'm more a story writer than a joke writer I like it sense. I like it so I, I, I sort of get that because I, th- I think on stage you're an absurdist yes in so many ways, which is uh, a, a different from a storyteller, but the storytelling's in there, and it's it, it, it juxtaposes all this silly lyric and and yeah. musical sort of stuff. Um, have you heard the story of the man with the giant orange head? No, I have not heard the story. Oh, no, it'll take me about ten minutes to tell it, and I don't know if I should. Um, <laughs> but it's, I'll tell you it one day, and yeah. we need to do uh, an orange head competition. Have you uh, so? Are you aware of the joke, the aristocrats? Yes. Okay. You add yeah. So it's, it's sort of like that, but it's a joke a friend of mine told Which I've me. I've never once. found funny. I've heard it many, many oh, times. Oh, it's not funny. No, no one's ever made me laugh. It's not funny. It's the telling of it that's uh, funny for people that know how it goes. Yeah. So the idea is that you ruin it with your own personality. Okay. You, uh, and that's the thing is you put your own stamp on it. The uh, man with the giant orange head story. Okay. <laughs> this is supposed to be about you, but it's not. It's about a man with a giant orange head. Yeah. Um, there's this guy who owns a pub in the centre of London, uh, near Canary Wharf, and he, um, uh, he's there just polishing his glasses Tuesday afternoon, and suddenly this guy walks in with a really lovely suit, like a Tom Ford suit, yeah. and uh, really nice shoes, but he's got this massive orange head, like a, like a space hopper. Yeah. Okay. And, he, um, uh, <laughs> and the barman thinks, that's a bit odd. I should ask him about that, but I, you know, I don't want to pry. And uh, the man with the big orange head comes in and goes, oh, pint of Guinness, please. And the uh, barman goes, all right. Uh, starts to pour it 192 seconds later gives him the uh, pint of Guinness says that's 360 thanks uh, and the man with the giant orange head pulls out a wallet and it's just full of 50 pound notes and he gives him a 50 pound note uh, with Alan Turing on um, and says uh, there you go keep the change and then, oh, the barman's like oh this guy's got a story and an half what the hell is this, this guy he's got a massive orange head 
a man with a giant orange head drinks his beer. Obviously, imagine a space opera having a beer. Um, and, uh, and he uh, goes, bloop, 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 and then just goes, uh, thanks very much, see you soon. And uh, the barman goes, no, 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 I've got to ask you before you go, what, what's the story? Why, you've got this massive orange head and it's huge. What, what's your story? You're, you're loaded. You're, you know, you're giving me £47.40 change. You know, what's going on? It's £46.40 change. Damn it. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, you know, just like, what, what's, what happened to you? And he goes, oh, funny story, actually. Uh, I was down Brighton the other day and I kicked a bottle and a genie popped out and uh, granted me three wishes. And he goes, all right, OK, what, what, uh, what did you wish for? Well, first wish, I just asked for all the money I could ever possibly need. And, uh, and also enough to make a big difference in the world so I could be a proper philanthropist. And, um, and he goes, all right, well, uh, how have you, uh, you been a bit extravagant? Oh, yeah. You know, obviously he's been giving away 50 quid notes, but at the same time he takes them outside and shows them this, this helicopter Rolls-Royce car um, that's covered in gold. Okay. Um, and it says UN on the side. <laughs> um, just to do the philanthropy part. And uh, and uh, and and the barman goes, bloody hell, that's that's pretty impressive, mate. Or he goes, What what was your second wish? He goes, Oh, then I asked for the most amazing woman in the world, someone who I could just absolutely love and enjoy forever and ever and ever. And uh, someone who would always be everything I need at that point and I could be for them everything they need at, at that point in time. He's like, Bollocks, that's impossible, says the barman. And he goes, Cassandra, like that. And then Cassandra comes out of the, the helicopter Rolls-Royce car tank. And, um, and she's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. And she's a scientist and she's, she's a human rights lawyer and she's, uh, you know, and filthy and, you know, and tells the, some of the worst, like, best jokes. And she entertains everyone in the pub for, like, two hours. And everyone's just like, wow, she's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. Man with the orange hair just goes, yeah, I know. And the barman says, yeah, but what... You, I understand the money, I understand the woman, but, but what... How did you end up with this? What, what happened? What was your third wish? She goes, oh, for my third wish, I just asked for a big orange head. <laughs> We're at 11 minutes 25. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You can tell it different every time, and it's just beautiful. You can just give him any wishes and all the things you need, and it's just, it's just glorious. It's this beautiful there's, thing. There's a gag that my an old friend of mine uh, told me that I won't tell because it literally is meant to take twenty odd minutes. Okay. And it's a song. It's a story. Sorry, that um, you tell half of it and then you cock it up. Okay. And then, um, like, and there's a there's a random callback to it. There's a you know this building site, and then at one point there's this guy. That has a brick in his hand, and someone's coming, and he has to get rid of the bricks. He just throws it up in the sky. The sky, and then later he goes, "All right, bollocks, no, I'll tell you a different one." And okay. then you bring on the second one, and then you build up this thing, and then the brick reappears in the gang <laughs> and takes someone out. And it's like that's brilliant. It's, it's great. That's brilliant. I love that. It takes a special amount of skill as well to. to it's that, and I saw it in his when he's telling me about it, and I saw him tell it again to someone else. Yeah, which is great because watching that nervous look in his eyes, but also that moment of like as a, as yeah, a yeah. performer, the getting that knife edge does it of linking one crap, doing a crap joke, and yeah. then getting the people around him to listen to another one. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like, the, but and then just cracks on with it. Yeah. And then doesn't even show a shy relief or anything towards it. And then just does this sort of um, brilliant callback and then the brick reappears. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? 
Where did that come from? And literally the lines go, where the fuck did that come from? Last joke. And it's just, it's just pointing the leaves. Um, it was like, I love stuff like that. Oh, that's so gorgeous, like, yeah. It, it does take skill to do the transition on that. I, yeah, I, yeah. That's, that's one of the things is why I've stayed away from stand-up comedy, is it seems to be this, um, I think, a negative, aggressive, and also the, the, the 90 miles an hour thing. Yeah, yeah. I, liked, I like gags like that, which the, you craft, and it's, it's yeah, amusing. Yeah. You have people with smiles on their faces, yeah. and then you have a big payoff at the end. Yeah. But now it's well. I think it's always been comedy, and it's you know it's the way it is. Is that it's it's meant to be laugh, 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 laugh. Yeah, that's the idea. You're supposed, is, yeah, you're, you're supposed, supposed to, to have a laugh, laugh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's not me going, oh my god, it's such a stupid system. It's not. I like doing some things in a different. I, I think way. there's still room for that in stand up, and you'll you'll see it. There's there's people out there who do it, and it's and you'll be surprised how much how many storytelling stand ups there are, um, uh, and and people love it. Mm. People do love it. Um, and I, I think you could go into it quite quite easily. I was thinking about your song um, "Lonesome George," yeah. um, about the the last tort or the last giant tortoise of the Galapagos Islands, mm. um, and about what a wonderful story that is, but also what a beautiful song. Yeah, there's an island. It's just like as a callback. It's just ah. Oh. It's really beautiful. When you're writing songs, are you trying to be the storyteller as well, or are you trying to convey the, what, uh, uh, or are you trying to yeah, make um, the make it, the song? It, it, it's almost varied from song to song. Is how I get inspired by it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's songs like um, from the same upcoming record. There's one science where I had this really nice oh, funky song. riff. Yeah. And I was like, I really wanted to give this. This has got to be something. What's this about? It's a funk song. It's a love song. What's it about? What would be Two scientists getting on, brilliant. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, oh, baby, mmm, bunsen burners. <laughs> you know, it's like, and that sort of then the riff creates the song. And, yeah. and a lot of the time I create a lot of riffs and, and song structures and then waiting for the right gag to slip into place. Yeah, yeah. And once it's generally, it's like a chorus or a line that then makes me go, and then it just grows out yeah. of that story. Um, some of them, it's like Lonesome George. That came the other way around where I was just sort of thinking of this story. And the same as I would punch a bear for you yeah, in yeah. the same way. Um, that came from a documentary from Brian Blessed punching a polar bear to save his life <laughs> and then I was like my god that's an image like, like this Brian Blessed would punch a bear for you because that's how much he fucking loves you yeah, yeah. and then this sort of like mm, yeah and the same thing was with Lonesome George is this Tra- it's actually a very tragic story if you it look is, about yeah. it but with but, you know without giving the spoilers yeah, yeah, yeah. with an epilogue with yeah. an epilogue yeah, yeah. you know yeah. um but it had this sort of drama of an old really silly to think about it out loud but it has this old fashioned sort of almost Shakespearean drama about it. Yeah, like yeah. Like a Twelfth yeah. Night kind yeah, of thing. Totally. This sort of, this, this resolution in a story. And I thought, if I need to carry it off, because it's over, it's got to be either the, um, I, fi- I find the best way of me doing it is the story, if it's absurd, has to have a, a good, solid song about it. Yeah. To make, and also I love, a lot of the times I think as well is the reaction of certain things, like getting people to sing something really odd. Yeah. Is so rewarding for me, and like getting an, hearing an audience singing the first time. I'm still not used to it. Hearing an audience of like hundreds of people, literally saying, "I would punch a bear <laughs> for you." It's to me the greatest thing. It's like yeah. I, I got that audience to do that. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Um, and the same with Lonesome George is that when people started sponta- spontaneously going um, off the coast of Ecuador, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of it because it's a lovely little yes. melody. It's, really it's also really, it's like this lovely thing of the uh, there's an island off the coast of Ecuador. Like, oh, yeah. That sounds lovely. 
and yeah. then ruining it with, with there's a blue balled tortoise <laughs> I know like, I know that's that's the joke though isn't it yeah it's, uh, it's that sort of um, that one was definitely I was noodling with the guitar and then just thinking of this idea and then just this um, this ballad of Lonesome George and I originally I almost thought about doing it with the banjo like a sort of a foot something yeah, yeah. oh yeah just no became, it doesn't need that it doesn't it just, you write a better ballad I think yeah I do like ballads <laughs> yeah. um, the Sweet Chunks band might be ruined for it though because yeah. the other guys would be like what <laughs> not another ballad what's this one about well, it's about my cat it's got kittens is that the, um, is that the give them up for adoption because of the smack habit you know but yeah, yeah. So there's little lines that I love in songs. I wrote a song about um, ass fingering during sex, <laughs> and um, it's called "Let Somebody In." Yeah. And um, and uh, and but there's the little line in it where I found it says, "I found it in myself yeah. to let somebody in." Yeah. You know, and that that little first line of it, "I found it in myself," literally. Yeah. You know, is for me <laughs> that's my little joke in the in the whole song no one laughs at that bit yeah. they laugh at the other bits about you know about how uncomfortable it is to talk about bum fingering in front of a room full of mainly men <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time it, it, those little those little lines are gorgeous and that's the embellishment of a story that I really like um, okay so let's talk about your your history knowledge yes that made me go what Stu yeah. come on man you're supposed to be a dick we were sat in the art house um, and we were about to film a video for you I think where yeah the one we were shouting in this in this yeah this yeah square. where I was a journalist or yeah. something and then we sat down and had one of the most um, Radio 4 conversations I've ever had it was like <laughs> Melvin Bragg yeah. was like outside and um, uh, and I, I just went wow you know a lot of history or you know a lot of stories that's what it is yeah. you know a lot of historical stories um, have you got an interest to like has that been like the actual history part has that been yeah, forever um, I always have I always loved um, historical stories I was one of those kids that like most small children they got into history because of war battles tanks and explosions yeah, because yeah. it's interesting it's it's flashy and it, World War 2 is always one to get in there because the handy thing is we win but when you get older you realise we didn't oh yeah yeah. but yeah. Um, but it's sort of like technology one yeah sorry <laughs> Uh, we, we went into save Poland. We didn't save Poland. That's a loss. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, but but anyway, um, see, that's a big see, thing. You go everything. into it. But yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a very small thing of a big. Th- but anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I took this thing of mission like, accomplished. Yeah. like on the exactly. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, it's the masses, the stories, and all these things. Like you know, the old-fashioned things like Charge of the Light Brigade and everything. Mm. But what I love and I got from old movies, you said about movies teaching you. I think yeah. like Zulu is a classic one. Yeah. Um, the the film Zulu is amazing, and people go oh, they talk about the negativity of the colonialism, which is I'm not I'm not airbrushing over or anything because yeah. if you do it properly, you, risk, you the way I do it see the film get very uh, moved by it yeah as a kid I was like oh my god they're about to be murdered by several thousand yeah. people and they're singing Men of Harlem that's the greatest thing I've seen <laughs> and they also look fantastic in red coats yeah um, but then because I'm curious I decided to find out what actually happened <laughs> yeah that's usually the best movie. and then yeah. you find out about you know the whole both Zulu wars and you find out <laughs> the Boer war 
and you find yeah. out all those things where the British uh, in the Boer War, the first Boer War, invade, wanted to invade the Transvaal, which is a part of, obviously, it's now all part of South Africa, but yeah. it was a free um, colony of yeah. Dutch um, uh, settlers, of Boer settlers, uh, north of um, British South Africa, which Britain basically won off South Africa in effectively an international card game. Okay. And so to get there, they couldn't sail round. They wanted to march there because it was just easier. And they were literally invading this country to get the gold and diamonds. Okay. And they were telling everyone, we're doing this for the money. Yeah. And France complained, Germany complained, because it wasn't their idea and they couldn't yeah. do it. Um, but on the way, they had to go for another, an independent, another completely separate um, Boer country called the Orange Free State. Okay. And they spoke to the leaders and said, Would, um, we, we are going to invade the Transvaal. Um, we need to go through your lands. Is that acceptable? We're happy to compensate you. And they said, and fair play to them. Um, they said, no, we're not going to let you walk through our country to enslave yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. And the British said, well, we will pay you. It's not about the money. So this is really unethical. This is yeah. horrible. You can't do this. Exactly. And then the British went, well, we'll invade you as well. <laughs> and then went to the Transvaal, got the Transvaal, got the diamonds. And then the Zulus yeah. at that point were trying to fight for their, um, their homeland to get their own. Yeah. And then they had the Battle of Izimboala, which is the um, where, where the Zulus who are underestimated by the British gave them damn good kicking yeah yeah absolutely and then but um, <laughs> but yeah so you, you discover it is mentioned a little bit in the, the start of, of, of um, um, Zulu the, the, the fact that the Zulus basically beat the Britain British because of their hubris and then yeah, yeah. you find out about the actual battle of, of Rook's Drift and all these different things and the story about it and the real politics behind the whole thing yeah why it had occurred and you also there's you, you learn stand, you learn the horrors of the of colonialism, but you also yes. realise even more the story of the soldiers yes. and how brave they actually were, and the fact that in the film they're played by rugged British actors in their forties and fifties. The oldest person there was twenty one. Yeah, and yeah. it's like oh, that's what they would say with most war films. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's, it's John Wayne walking in. It's like no, no, he would have been no twenty four. Yeah, <laughs> a major would have been if he's in his thirties. That's old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's sort of like and it. For me, uh, a, a movie is a deep is an excuse to deep dive into a, a whole new story. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I've been I've been sort of like I'm quite happy to pick up information and stories from other people and go, oh, look at this, research this. And the, the reason we got into the Brexit discussion is strangely enough, it was um, it was a book I was reading um, about how the British won the war with Napoleon, the Peninsula yeah. War, because of the loss of. Um, the American colonies. That's right, yeah. Because they sort of regroup, realise what they've done wrong, they went, how do we stop this from happening? And if you look at all the great triumphs around of humanity, you see a disaster and how you overcome it oh, and yeah. learn from it. Like the Apollo 8 fire. Oh, yeah. Because we're talking about now the 50th anniversary fire. Yeah. Apollo 8 was the first yeah. one, yeah. to beg your pardon, Apollo yeah. 1. Yeah. Apollo 8 was the yeah. first yeah. one that actually got round, popped up, went round, round it, yeah. and came yeah. back. So, yeah, it's my fault. So, I've been listening to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, the fact that if Apollo 1 hadn't happened, the disaster wouldn't happen. Yeah. Probably they wouldn't have landed on the moon successfully, and they wouldn't have they wouldn't have got all of their crews back. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. it went through a complete rethink of how NASA operates to this day. The yeah. way that they did the investigation into the fire was not a case of we need to find who did it and fire them. Yeah. Uh, without pun intended, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, NASA went. We it wasn't fire that killed them. Did you know that? It was the. Ex- it, was, it was actually a, it was a, a, the fire burnt all the oxygen out. Yeah. So they they suffocated and suffocated to death. Yeah. But it was um, but. 
NASA, when they investigated that, looked at the, they decided to look into why it had occurred, yeah. how it had been allowed to occur, and every kind of thing, not just the technical fault, but the, the attitude that caused it. And they realized what was happening is everyone was so focused on rushing to the end result yeah, yeah. that they didn't sort it out and go yeah. back and think about it methodically. Yeah. So NASA to this day have the attitude of like, test everything. And if something oh, yeah, goes yeah. wrong, test you highlight it. Yeah. yeah. And it's not wrong to, it's not bad to fail. Yeah, it's yeah. bad to pretend that you did Have you read Chris Hadfield's book? No, I really want to. Oh, that was really good. It's basically about that. It, he um, he gave it this whole. Um, when he was nine years old, Canadian uh, citizen, so Canada didn't have a space program. Nine years old, he watches the uh, the Apollo landing, and just went, "Oh, I'm going to walk. I'm going to be a spaceman." Yeah. Okay, and just went. That's it. And then made every decision from that moment. So as he sat there going, "Do I want fries for lunch or yeah. do I want salad?" Uh, spaceman space would space take yeah, yeah. Okay, so he was like dedicated, and then became pilot, test pilot. There was a system organized. He ends up in NASA, mm. and then they basically they test you to fail or about failure. You know, they test you so you know every system and every contingency that could happen. Yeah. To the point when when you're actually on a shuttle about to go up, it was dull. Yeah, it was easy. so routine. Yeah. All that was happening was there was a shake. Push yeah. that button, press yeah, that button. Yeah, oh, it's good. Uh, the yeah, second yeah. boot is on fire. All right, counted it, done. Right. And and I love that. Yeah. And I love films like The Martian. Yeah, which is true, I believe. Um, <laughs> it's about a man called Matt. Yeah, <laughs> who went to the moon. When Sean no, Bean uh, saved the saved the uh, yeah the red moon. Yeah. Um, and uh, but the, again, that's almost a love letter to NASA. Yeah, you know, and in, in the way it's written, and the, you know, it's like. I'm oh, yeah. saying yeah, I'm, we have a trouble. We're going to sort yeah, it out. This, this is again uh, my, one of my favorite films. Is Apollo 13. Mm. I Spoiler. watched it last night. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I watch it really, really regularly. <laughs> but there's a funny bit in it that is pure drama, and Tom Hanks and, and uh, Ron Howard admit that they said, "Yeah, this wouldn't happen." This is a bit where they have an argument with yeah. the microphone off. Yeah. And the reason they have the microphone off is because they never argued. Even yeah. how stressed it was because they chose people that would not be stressed. They were yes. just like Neil Armstrong. The people said that that film is he's a really he's played really boringly, and it's like no, that's how he was. Yeah, he was yeah. that deadpan with everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were re- they chose deliberately chilled out people that if their arm was on fire, they would quickly go oh put it out oh, and my then arm's go on fire. I probably need to go to a doctor. Yeah. Do any of you, are you any of you doctors? No, we're seven <laughs> yeah. hours away. Well, all right, I have to crack on I'll my drive. other arm until yeah. then. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll drive. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's that sort of idea of like learning about these chaps and watching like um, space programs, where uh, films and stuff, where they have to add drama because regular people, like when they have an alien. I love those yeah. movies. I'm not, I'm not going. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I was happily separate. But when they have a character that's divisive, all, divisive, yeah. or a character's like I'm only in this for the money, and just have a bunch of astronauts in a situation, but well, um, guys, I've noticed there's an alien in the spaceship, and he's probably killing us one by one. one, by one you say? Yes. Well, what we need to do is probably seal it off. And if we get any, any more people die after three of us, we should probably just fuck off. Like, yeah. yeah, let's do that. Okay, then. Yeah, yeah. And they probably catch it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't... Yeah. yeah. Michael so Collins The worst thing for a movie is someone with a plan. With a plan. Yeah. And a level head. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the thing I was thinking of was I watched... Um, so Netflix was really throwing the trailer to a thing called Another Life. Yeah. at me the other day which was um, it's Katie Sackhoff who was brilliant in the Battlestar Galacticas yes um, and uh, and I thought okay I'll, I'll give the first episode a go and the first episode was uh, some people in space trying to work out what this artifact is yeah. um, uh, this landed on earth and started to broadcast and um, and they said oh she goes oh they're sending me up I've got to be away you know to her husband so I've got to go and he's like oh 
damn it, I've got to look after the kid, you know, and all that yeah. sort of thing. That's the emotional core of the, the thing. I thought, okay, let's see how this goes. They got on the spaceship, and they're some of the most emotionally unhinged people yeah. on this spaceship that's apparently been sent by Earth Space Agency at that point. Yeah. And you go, no, no, no that just... It's, it's ruined the fact yeah. they go we need humans with emotions and conflict yeah. you go no, no I want a crew of people that it's literally go oh by the way the thing you said the other day offended me and they go oh sorry oh. and that's it done sure. you know but that's about as worse yeah. as bad as it gets to sort of just say that was a know. misunderstanding I'm sure it was but I thought it best area you were correctly com- correct yeah, exactly the most civil yeah <laughs> and then they get to the alien world and go oh you don't like us okay let's kill you um okay right so also, there's a thing I wanted to talk about. So you're obviously a storyteller, musician, uh, fabulous banjoist, a radio presenter, but also an artist. Would you? Uh, yeah. I, did uh, you study I, art? Or I did. did. Uh, I got a degree level in animation of all things. Okay. Um, but it's a funny thing with me with art is that um, I've been trying to get back into it for years, but I haven't picked up a pencil in anger in at least five years. Okay. Um, I have plenty of art materials. I've got um, an unused oil diesel that Lily got me for, for Christmas a few years ago with oil paints I've always wanted to try. But the funny thing for me is that all the way through school, all the way up to university and beyond, um, I was doing art and I was kicking the backside out of everyone else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, You're very I, good. <laughs> um, but so... I had the ideas, but the biggest frustration I had was I couldn't get the idea onto the page okay. out of my skull. And I just thought, while going through uni- up to university, that it was the cliché, you know, art is suffering. So I meant to hate everything <laughs> I do. Because I hated everything. Yeah. Um, people would tell me it was great. I sold artwork. I did graphic designs that people were chuffed to bits with. I did animations that people loved. Yeah. But... I hated it. I never yeah. took any pleasure from it after it was made. I love the process, but okay. afterwards I look at it going, that is terrible. Ironically, except, well not ironically, but except for model painting. Okay. I used to take great pleasure from that. It's okay. completely a me thing. Paint, paint models, uh, things from Games Workshop to tanks, whatever. Yeah, yeah. love it, and I'd, I'd enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I'd look back at it and think, oh, that's not as good as it could be, but I'd do that, but I'm happy with it. Yeah. With art, everything was shit the moment it was out of the pencil wow hated everything and I thought that's just what creativity was and then when music I got for that level of beyond being shit okay. uh, when, when playing you know, yeah, practicing yeah, yeah. and practicing yeah, yeah. and I could play and I started playing gigs yeah. and I fell in love with being a musician and I would always have a guitar on me it used to be always a sketch pad and I'd be drawing yeah. trying to achieve something in my head that I could never get out and then I would just idly play guitar without any aim of doing anything and then do drills accidentally and, and yeah, learn yeah, yeah. and play yeah. and then I started to write and then recorded stuff and I look back at my first EP for example that um, the Inebriation Proclamation it was a Sweet yeah. Chunks band thing but it's my songs and okay. first recording I've ever done of my own stuff properly and I look back at it and I think it's the vocals are flat the guitar yeah. playing is a bit lifeless um, it's very rushed well I remember going back into the, was in the studio thinking as soon as the light came on, but oh, if I play this as quickly as possible and get it over and done with, it's done. Yeah. I wouldn't. I don't have the thing that I have now, which is the proper way of doing a studio. Is that was that good enough? Yeah. No, do it again. Yeah. yeah. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. proper. Is that the thing this song needs? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And 
and then I found that the music, I enjoyed it. I was frustrated, the right amount of frustration with it. I wanted to develop, wanted to learn, okay. but I was very forgiving of myself. I looked back and, and I would see the good points. You know, mm. That was good, that was crap, that was rubbish, that was fucking awful, but I enjoyed that. Let's look at that and then how to improve. Mm. And so I can look back at my old stuff and all the stuff that I play and I enjoy it and I, and I like it. Yeah. And then because of that, um, I've been very um, off going, look, yeah, very, very nervous about going back to art because of how much I hate it. I always got the feeling that I was paddling up the wrong um, creek, okay. part of the creek and then going, well, I should have been a musician from the year dot and I sort of almost resented my arty self because I was up until, th- <laughs> well, I, when I was a kid in school and in college, I'd be up until three in the morning either painting, drawing, doodling, listening to audio books, listening to his yeah. true documentaries yeah, yeah, and painting course, and drawing. Yeah. And I thought, if I'd been playing guitar, I'd be, a, I'd be like bloody Hendrix by now. But <laughs> I, I look at it now and I go, I don't care Dead. about that. Yeah, dead. Oh, sorry. Long, long dead. Yeah. Uh, with some very tedious B-sides that I never wanted to release out from Bastards <laughs> of Money. But I don't sit there thinking, oh, I wish I'd done it earlier. I love the way, where I am now. I yeah. think the only w- where I would be now in the band that I'm in is because I'm an older person and I'm not being naive. I'm not being sort of led down a path as a young child or, or as a younger musician. Yeah. So I've got that maturity and I like working with people I work with. I'm happy with that. But I do wish that I just had a little less frustration with art because mm. I love art and animation as well. I did animation for three years and I loved everything about animation except the animating. Okay, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I love editing the film work. I did when I started doing my first musical compositions for other people's works. In fact, uh, Lily Crofton takes a piss out of me uh, because I got like a, a two-two in okay. my degree. She said I would have got first if I put all the work I put into other people's films into my own one. That would probably be about right. I'm credited uh, in my my year. I am credited in I think sixty percent of the films that were made. Okay. And each one different. I did special effects on one. Yeah. I did the music for several of them. I did voice acting in about four of them. Yeah, of course, I spent yeah. hours working on a few projects, then did mine. And the so, fact that mine passed at all is Was that your level of procrastination, though? Is that what yeah. that is? Okay. I was, I, instead of doing this work, I was creating in other things. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And it's sort of like, I, I still adore animation. And, I, and the, the thing that I love about it is my, my passion for uh, history is only matched by my passion for animation mm-hmm. and seeing other people's work. And the fact that I got to do my degree, I don't regret it because I have this lovely fountain of knowledge of yeah. how animation is created yeah. and understanding and seeing the work in like Cujo and the Two Strings. Like watching how that okay. is a brilliant little film, um, traditionally made in old fashioned stop motion, and seeing people work in stop motion from okay. the ground level and seeing how it's done. It's great, but for me, art should have. I really wish it was like my guitar playing, but it's not. It's created a sort of philosophy, strange enough, of how I can create songs. Yeah. Because my art teacher taught, taught me the most about music. Yeah. And that filling in blank spaces, using different colours to explain certain things. Contrast. Like, contrast, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he taught me all these things that at the time I was like, what the fuck is this? this has, my art isn't improving. But then I put the logic that he taught me into music and it just made sense. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah, no, okay. Um, so I don't know anything about animation. I just assume it's just something you press on a computer and it does it. Um, <laughs> oh, no, it's not that. But. Um, so how so now obviously there's so many films that have animation in it and so many films that have CGI and all yeah. that. It's a huge industry, massive yes. industry. But also you hear about like the animating slaves yeah. of of East East um, Europe and all that sort yeah, of thing, yeah. you know. And 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 you watch a Marvel film yeah. and go, ah, oh, that was great. And then you see two thousand people maybe go past, and yeah. I'd say a thousand of them are animators. Yeah. Um, in so many ways, and you just think, wow, that's 
it's like a zero hours job now. It's, yeah. it's almost because it's a skill set that's just been completely like, well, throw the money at it, you'll yeah. work for you know two weeks, you'll work solidly for those two weeks, yeah. um, and you will only animate the doorknob yeah. as this explosion happens. It's like, and, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that's right. No, 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 I was just thinking about, you know, is at uh, what point is there a, like a, a place where animators meet and bitch? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was great is, like, um, I first got this inkling of what a life as an animator would be, and I wasn't turned off by it at all. Okay. It was sort of meant to be a sort of a scary thing, but it wasn't. It was just maybe, oh, my God, you guys are fantastic. Okay. That's why I worship the Grand Animators work on. Yeah, okay. Uh, we had a guest lecturer come into my university, and he was one of the animators for um, um, A Corpse Bride. Okay. You ever seen the film yeah, Tim yeah, Burton yeah. film? Yeah, yeah, Which is basically a it's piece... Very Tim Burton. Very Tim Burton, yeah. but is fl- uh, flaccid and rubbish. Okay. Basically, the, the storyline is beige as yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah. It's like complete, tepid... It was a short story. Yeah. That's the thing. And it got yeah. fleshed out. Yeah, yeah. But it features some of the most beautiful animation I've uh-huh. ever seen on screen. There's a shot on it that this chap was talking about, which is amazing. It lasts, I think, five seconds. And it's a shot of a table. And the camera pans down the table. It's travelling across over the food. Okay. There are six characters on one side, six characters on the other. And they're all talking to each other. They're all yeah. interacting. Some of them are throwing food. Some of them are reaching for food. Some of them are trying to eat. One of them is trying to read. There's all these different things. And then the character at the end of the table stands up and bangs his glass. Yeah. Now, when I first watched that, I didn't think too much about it. I just thought, that looks great. But then I thought, it's probably composited. It wasn't. It was shot in one go. Wow. And all of these characters were animated together and wow. interacting on the same thing wasn't composited all so done all by a team food flies everything on string all, and, on yeah, string, and, yeah. and all these different things and this chap was telling me about this, this piece of art that he created and I was so proud of it quite rightly if you watch it on its own it yeah. is stunning the yeah. amount of work they put in yeah. um, and then watching the animation skill used in, in, in um, A Corpse Bride which is second to none I mean even now some of the stuff like the guys that uh, like her the guys that make uh, Cujo and um, yeah two strings and other things one like called the missing link that's coming out soon okay. um, which is phenomenal and they have even better technology that allows them to do really cool special effects which yeah. only enhance it they haven't ruined it they, okay. they, they get great, great animation um, but these guys were masters and they put years into this fantastic piece of work and this animator was one of the senior animators and I can't remember the guy's name because I'm crap at that that's okay Sorry. but he was saying yeah he had to sleep in his car yeah, because he had nowhere to go at the time. Oh. He, had to work. he was paid well. Yeah, but he spent all this time, and then the film came out, and the film was pants. Yeah, not because of the animation. These guys were brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you put all this work in. You sleep in your car. You do this extra. Really, work. it's the animation that gets the most scrutiny. Yeah, and not the scripts. Yeah, luckily yeah, for them, because yeah, if yeah. It, for them it's lucky because that means because they got they've got a perfect thing to scrutinise because it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but the film itself is pants, so you don't watch it to enjoy the film you watch it it goes oh, this animation's brilliant the storyline okay. I want to punch Tim Burton in the face yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. so these these skilled people are being sort of because the because the script pants let down yeah yeah um, but but like you said they, they work for hours and hours and hours and, and years on an animation stop motion particularly it will be like oh, yeah. five years for some of these films for even just an hour yeah um, but what I, I didn't realise is that particularly with stop motion which is a very much a very British um, yeah. uh, industry. We are king as a country, kings of make, oh, yeah, kings yeah. queens of making animation, stop motion. Um, people come from around the world to use our animators, which is great. Which is a really wonderful yeah, thing. Yeah. They're like thespians of animation. But um, um, the 
what ends up happening to these people is that they're hired film to film. Yeah. It's not like Disney used to be, where they would have their team of animators that they would have, the, the, the studio would go, right, you finished this project, here's another one. Yeah. What they do is they come together, they go into the studio, animate for two years, then at the end of that two years, contract's up and they're unemployed. Yeah. And then with any like, they might be linked together with that team, but the, the problem is, it's not a, a film into another film. The next film that studio will be making will take another two years of pre production. Yeah. So they've got to go out and find something else and hope that it doesn't overlap so they can go back with that team and then yeah, find something yeah, else. Yeah. And so these guys are like hired guns traveling around this very sort of wow. like very, you know, very niche, ni- yeah, yeah, niche yeah. and knife edge kind of thing that they, yeah. could, they could never get employed again and only work on one film. But they kept on doing it because they loved it. And, like, <coughs> and he was sort of trying to say this is a warning for, for animation. A lot of the students were like, oh, God, this is horrible. But I was like... Sign me up. Yes, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I hate the drawing part of it, but I love the life. Yeah, and that's yeah. why, as a musician, it works. Now, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to do that sort of stuff because it's because it's a passion. Seeing that passion, in it, which yeah. is what that that the passion of animation has never left. As much as that, and I I keep on thinking about I want to do it again. Because for Sweet Chunks, one of the great things great about it is I've started making my own films. Okay. Like, stuff we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And making yeah. music videos and. Um, there's a, another artist that I won't mention at the moment because it's not been confirmed who's asked me to do the music video Tupac? yeah okay he's cool. gone back from the grave uh, just great, one okay. last time <laughs> and so um, th- even though it's a small project and I've basically said this is I, I shoot it on phones and stuff I don't have loads yeah, of equipment yeah, yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. no I like start, I want you to have a go it's like brilliant okay so now I'm making my own films how I want to do right. and I'm thinking about going doing animation again and looking okay. into and making sweet, new sweet chunks as a thing of making these things yeah of course Yeah. but it's sort of I've come to that point where now um, I want to get back into art and animation and drawing. Yeah. Um, because it's now just another sort of creative output for me. Mm. But I want it to be because I'm, I'm happy to do film it to, to shoot things on film. Yeah. And then give it and I have that same sort of oh that could be better I'll learn from that but I'm happy. Yeah. Um, and then cooking as well. I've gotten back into my cooking as a chefing <laughs> and enjoying that yeah. and then doing the radio and then doing my teaching and yeah. I teach archery and music at, well, at, at, at my job. I taught archery. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, part of the job. Okay, part of the yeah, job, I think. Um, um, so what is the job you do? I'm a, I'm a, I work in an outdoor activity centre. People learn difficulties. Okay. I teach uh, weaponry and music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, rifles and, 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 bow, and archery. Yeah. Um, and so... I just wish that this I want to bring art out from the cold like yeah. all my other aspects I'm happy to be sort of like yeah, if it sucks who cares yeah, and yeah. I just sort of want to find a way of taking that pressure off art and just let me enjoy it but yeah. I'm so terrified of doing that, that it's sort of, okay that's a really long winded answer to no, the question, no 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 so, so you're not an artist um, <laughs> basically yeah I've done already um, uh, so I, I get that I understand what is it that is it said the end product you don't like yeah but you, do you dislike it or do you just not like it? I think I just... Do you have a violent reaction towards it? And go, this yes. is shit! Yeah. Really? I literally... It's okay. that angry. I fucking hate it. Wow. Um, because even though it's like with music, I think... And, and it's, so I've just got to get this. So you've spent ages on it and you're enjoying the drawing. Yeah. You're enjoying the... And then the it's done. So like, the fuck? And all that yeah. stuff, you know, all the felt tip stuff and all the... I don't know what else you do. Um, but finger paint. Yeah, finger paints. Um, you're doing all that. And then... Uh, and you've reached a point where you say this is finished. Yeah. You literally reach that point and then go, 
but it's shit. Well, because the thing is, the way that I work with other things is that I will always see it to the end. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll give it the chance to grow and let it get to the finish point before okay. going. Because there's no point half finishing it and going, oh, shit. I mean, there's bits in the sketching on trying to get it out and go, this is terrible. But I think, right That's no, what a sketch is for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, like giving up and not finishing the yeah. piece. But um, when it comes to creating a piece of art or an animation, I will see it to the end and give it the chance to, 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 to succeed. Yeah. But then after it's like, fuck, and then just move wow. on. Um, yeah, it's really odd because everything else I do. I find that really fascinating because I, I, just knowing you as much as I know you, you, you know, you know what you're doing. But also that, oh God, this is going to always come out sounding bad. But I'll say it. There doesn't seem to be too much quality control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know exactly what. Yeah, I get, I get it. Yeah, because I'm uh, like when I shoot films, I deliberately shoot them lo-fi. When I used yeah, to do yeah. VJing years ago, making animations for uh, for um for for um uh, for DJs, yeah, I would deliberately make it look shit yeah, um, yeah. to make it rough. I yeah. loved that, and I yeah. loved uh, my music to be sketchy a little bit and a little bit rough. And, yeah, it shouldn't and be my amazing. filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I film it on phones. I do yeah. it low key, and I. I not shaky cam because I hate that but I, I, I yeah. put it you know yeah. so it is odd that my art I'm really like that's really strange angry I'm, about it <laughs> can you not just enjoy the journey and then let other people enjoy the result I should do I do that but I kind of I think it's because the other things I enjoy the end result myself I'm yeah. like, I want to fucking enjoy this as much as anyone okay. else I'm fine that fast I can't cure you I don't want yeah. to but it's, at the same time it's I think that's that's Amazing! Mm. I think that's it's really weird. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Do you need therapy? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe I think do. what I need to do is just pick up a pencil and or just paint, and then just make some stuff. And I think without putting pressure onto it, and just doodle and draw. Okay. And just not give a shit because that's the thing. I think that's where why I love sweet chunks and my music and my filmmaking is that I don't give a shit yeah, yeah. in a constructive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, almost self-sabotaging yeah. sometimes. And, and, I mean, with the band, with the live band especially, there's, I don't know how much of the band is contrived or whatever. I know some of it is, or some of it's repeated enough to be part of the canon <coughs> or part of the repertoire. But, um, but I also know that there's a point when, at any point, a song will stop. Yeah. And anything can happen within yeah. that point. And I... And, Toupee, my old band used to have that a lot. We used to, we used to fuck each other up. If yeah. we were bored of a song, especially, we'd definitely just go right. Well, there's that bit coming up. Let's see what the fuck we do, you know. And 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 I get that. That's almost like it's not improvisation as such. It's about keeping each other on your toes as yeah. well, and yeah. and never letting anything go stale. Which is, I think, probably the worst thing you can do with, especially with comedy like like music, which is a very much a structured. Yeah, you know, it has to go from the beginning of the song to the end. You can't play the end of the song first, and yeah. you know all that. You can't jazz it. Um, so, so yeah, it has to take this linear route. So, at that point, you know, I have a chance to be creative here. Yeah, and you don't plan it, and you just sketch and see what happens. And the other guys will build upon it, and the audience will happily chime in. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, at first, um, it used to scare the shit out of both of them. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Because I would. Oh, they it. still look scared. You don't oh, really yeah. see them behind you that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the problem is, is like as well, is that I have no formal musical training. Mm -hmm. You make it, it comes as a surprise. Well, well, I don't know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, I you're competent yeah. as a musician. But I'm, I'm not like Mike. Um, is properly trained. Can read sheet music. Oh, okay. He can. He can write. He, that doesn't he, come across. No. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Ash as well has that he was taught like, like through college yeah. and stuff like that, and has done lessons and done all different okay. skills and, and is disciplined in that way. I learn uh, in the folky kind of way, which is basically I hear a track, I try and learn it, yeah, I try GCF. and play with, yeah, yeah, yeah crack on, yeah, done. Yeah. Use a fucking capo if I want yeah. to change the key, yeah. um, but and just and do that. And yeah. the problem is, and it reminded me of a weirdly of an old doc, um, documentary I watched about like Muddy Waters and people like that with uh, the bands when they first put them into a bands when they said I was infuriating because you're you're a session band you're doing 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 and then Muddy Waters would get excited and start speeding up. Yeah, so just say the same fucking speed. He speeds up, slow down, speed yeah, up. Yeah. And I know that I'm terrible for that. Like if I get an okay. idea, and if I start um, um, like um, ad libbing some lyrics or yeah. whatever into a song, that I may forget where I am. So I have yeah. to sometimes just stop playing or start playing or whatever. And for the the other two, for Ash and Mike, it's like Mike is basically holding the band together. He's like the mute, the band yeah. leader, and yeah, Ash yeah. is controlling me effectively. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so um, it's, it's like. For them to keep up with what I'm doing and make us sound musically competent is an amazing testament to how good they are as musicians. Without bullshit, it really is. No, no, I, I, I agree. at first, they were like, you've got to stop doing this. And eventually, they were like, well, Ash was the first one to get on the idea that, oh, um... Have a beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. have a beat. But, yeah. but also, he realised that the audience love it. Yeah. And they feel that... Because what I'm trying to create... At first, it was accidental, and I realised, no, this is what we should do, is that each show is individual. Yeah. Like someone going... Could someone... Because I've seen so many people come to our shows regularly, uh, whether it's other bands or whether it's other people that see us more, more than once in whatever, like, a year or whatever. Yeah. Um, that they still come back with a smile on their face because they still feel that it's like, oh, I have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. They could play the Absolutely, same songs. Yeah. They could play whatever. They could also just start singing a song about... Um, they can start using the theme from the uh, f- the, tr- the Cadbury's Flake app. Yeah, exactly. Or something weird. Um, because it gives you that sort of sense of individuality. Last time I was fun. trying to get you to touch my balls uh, during, yeah. I think you were singing Bear at Me. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, touch my balls. There's a woman on the table with us. <laughs> I, I just sat next to her because it was an empty table. And, yeah. um, uh, and, she, and yeah, and I, I, I don't know if she knew how close we were. Yeah, I don't know. That was very strange. Um, I thought uh, so. I, I don't know much about how you know Mike and Ash anyway. Did you? Um, we all uh, brothers. Oh, um, <laughs> we're all related. I found it's, it's, the story so on, on stage is true. I found it in a skip. No, uh, Mike and Ash have known each other for uh, since they were kids. Okay. Um, I got to know Ash through uh, Lily, my wife. Okay. Um, and she basically. Um, her and Kaz, one of my old friends as well, well I got to know through Lily as well, um, have been trying to put Ash and I together for literally three years. Trying to matchmake you a little yeah, bit. As yeah, ba- as a yeah. band. Okay. And the two of us are fucking idiots. We didn't realise it was going on. Okay. And we'd have a conversation at a couple of house parties like, I play bass, I play guitar, we should probably form a band, yeah. Oh, goodbye. Um, <laughs> I like Twiglets and then we got to know each other and became mates and again never jammed or anything. everyone's skipping and saying oh we should have a jam together have a jam together yeah. and then one day we were at Beautiful Days um, and it's the year Frank Turner was playing Okay. and I was in a band called Bemis playing bass and Ash was in a band that was I know playing. the band Bemis yeah. from Portsmouth those yeah. chaps yeah. Um, and I uh, was having a good bit of fun but I was still sort of I think I was irritating Gareth the lead singer um, because I was clearly wanting to perform. He yeah. was the lead guy, and yeah, I'm the yeah, bassist, yeah. and I'm sort of going, doing this whole different thing, <laughs> and being an arrogant little tit, basically, um, by just not shutting up. But I, was like, I realised, I like playing, but I want to be where that guy is. Yeah, I want to yeah. be that. Yeah. But I'm in another band. I need, to, I need to have my own band. And then I remember watching Frank Turner, thinking, this is banging. I want to do that, but drunk, yeah. shouty, yeah. stupid. And then Ash was there, we were watching it, 
do you want to do that? Uh, Forget yeah, your right. waistcoat, let's be a folk band. You're like, really? What? Yeah. So let's be a folk band. You put slap bass, I'll shout people, we'll swear a lot. All right, let's do that. And we that's how the right. a year yeah. later we formed a band. Okay. And then Mike joined us, um, uh, what's a year later, yeah, after that, because Charlie, who, who joins us for drums every now and then, um, joined us because we put an ad on Gumtree uh, and said, um, Percussions wanted to join Ramshackle group of idiots, play anything from drums to cajon to ice cream tubs. Yeah, yeah. He turned up with a djembe, we had a jam, we were like, right, play. Okay. And we went off and played, and then Mike joined us for uh, about half a year later. Okay. Actually said, you want to so play what, guitar? had you written songs at this point as well? I started playing myself. Um, was that your inebriation proclamation? Most of the stuff, yeah, stuff. And okay. a, couple of, a load of covers. And we started building up material. Um, yeah. And then when it came to, we got the inebriation proclamation, limped us through the first year or so. Uh, and then when Mike joined the band, which I still at the time was really freaked out because he was in a really competent alternative rock band called Midgar that actually had a video on Kerrang! And he was a proper musician. Oh my God. And then... Um, was like, I want to play with you guys, why? Because this is fucking fun. Was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, then. Yeah, all right, yeah. we'll have a laugh. And I kept yeah. on thinking that Mike would just piss off at some point. And be like, oh, we yeah. had him for a year. Midgar need me again. Yeah, yeah off like, we go. Um, and then we started writing songs together. I, Mike and I wrote um, um, Bees together. Because oh, I, yeah. this, the story of watching a documentary is true. Yeah. And then he was jamming some chords. And I went, hang on, I've got this song I half wrote. And then we wrote it in like four yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um And then Drunks on a Boat, he's like, I really want to write this pirate song. I played the riff, and like, right, okay. We and I came up with the, we are not pirates with drums on the boat and then the song started yeah. growing and we, we started playing around with other tracks and then it just sort of worked and it grew from there yeah. but when it came on live originally we were quite sort of standing there in a line rigid with me bouncing around and yeah. then we started doing things of getting the wireless mics and the wireless guitars and running around a bit more yeah. and encouraging it. and Ash getting it took about a year for Ash to realise he could sing Okay. Because he refused to because he was nervous. And then he started singing and realised he was good at it. Then he started taking the piss out of me and realised okay. I love that. And he explored that. And then Mike yeah, realised yeah. he was very good at one line of put downs. Yes, he is, yeah. So yeah. then we started working that out together. It was, yeah. And it's yeah. weird is that now when we chat together, it's, it's funny how when we first started, it was basically me being a bit nervous and then only about coming, getting warmed up about halfway through the set and yeah, actually yeah. sitting there silently playing the bass. And then Mike just sort of competently just staring at us going, play the fucking course right, you twats. Okay. So now we're out at the end of a set. We'll sit there and work, we'll wait, effectively, it, it feels like a, like a drama school thing, workshop yeah, yeah. how we're doing things. Yeah, and then yeah. you go realising, oh, we're talking over each other, we need to have a chat about that. So we sit in a rehearsal room yeah, yeah, yeah. and then talk bollocks and then realise, like little signals. Give notes, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's funny how it sort of started off as this sort of ramshackle bunch of nutters and now we're sort of a ramshackle br- bunch of nutters with a Taking plan. it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But still doing this chaotic thing. But it's a case of, because I, I don't like scripting things. No. Because if I script it, it goes stale for me. Well, the moment you write something down is the moment you start to visualise all those words, yeah. which makes which, which is ridiculous. Yeah. For, I mean, I was so I was doing a show the other night where I was, um, uh, what was I talking about? So I was doing my thing. It was the fucked up in a field thing or whatever, yeah. and I was talking about legalised marijuana, um, and it was it was literally in a field um, with a bunch of people all smoking marijuana, and um, and. Uh, and I started to do this whole thing about, you know, sort of the reason why I say legalise marijuana on Facebook is because I care about rope production and multiple sclerosis treatments and all this. And I, I carried on that. And it just went on for ages, though. I just started to riff on my own yeah. riff again. And I, I really enjoyed it all of a sudden. And I was like, oh, I've, I've actually entertained myself, you know, sort of <laughs> thinking about mountain 
mountaineers stuck up a, a mountain sort of thing, you know, and there's no rope. And it's just because some guy smoked all the all the hash and <laughs> like multiple sclerosis treatment, you know, just smoking a spliff outside going, hey, you know, and just that. It, it was this really nice bit. And it went on for an extra five minutes or something like yeah. that. And I really enjoyed it. And the audience would bent double. And I, I love that idea of nothing should be written down. I don't think a song's ever finished when it's a yeah. comedy song especially when you take it on stage, you know, you should always be uh, ready for it to be something else. And I think the audience changes the song yeah. immediately anyway. That's just the way... Uh, I, I can never do the same gig twice. Okay, so we're, we're coming up to an hour, which is great. Um, thanks, man. That's great. Um, well, but the, so I suppose what it, what it comes down to is what's next for Stu... Uh, are you are you so this album's coming out with the science the, the, the EP that's been worked on for quite a long time we're trying to sort of get it February fuck, the February thing <laughs> it's being released every February until the end of time um, and even if it's in July we're renaming July February yeah, so yeah, it's out yeah. in February um, but we're basically just getting this EP done um, Mike's finishing the mixing of it and once that's gone we've got a video to go with it uh, okay. a couple of videos and stuff blah blah blah, blah. um I was worried, I was petrified at first actually, but I'm worried, I was really scared, that by the time it's done, that I'd, the, the record would be stale and dated. It's yeah. around for a while. Yeah. But it still has this energy that makes me smile. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. we've written something fucking good. It's like we yeah. should have had this out ages ago, but it's brilliant. And it's sort of like, but the, what I'm really happy with is because um, Mike and I, not to say that Ash doesn't give a shit, but it's mainly like, Mike and I have an idea of what we want the record to sound like. Yeah. And... And it's no disrespect to a lot of people on our circuit, um, but we seem to put more thought into the record than a lot yeah. of people. They, co- they, they people, a lot of bands I know, their live shows are spectacular, but their records fall a bit flat. Yeah. They don't, I'm guilty of that, uh, to be honest. It's, and it's, it's, yeah. So we were like, right, we've done the DIY thing, and yeah. we've created a record in our own studio using our own limitations and created something. Yeah. So we're sort of now we want to use a studio because both of us want to see what we can do with one. Okay. And play around with it. Well, have a plan. Like queen, aren't you? Basically, it's going to be six years and really expensive. Um, <laughs> but um, we, we're sort of waiting. I've got a load of songs ready to go, half finished. Uh, but they're sort of waiting in a sort of uh, like the start of a horse race. Like there's yeah. no point carrying on yeah, yeah, until yeah. the next one's done. Let's not rush it. So yeah. when the new one's done, finish the writing off. Get the, it's going to pretty much for me anyway. The next record's going to start straight away. Yeah, yeah. Get the writing done. Then we're going to get ourselves a studio. We've already got some people and some producers we want to work with. We're thinking about using... We're chatting with Charlie about being our producer. Okay. Um, because Mike wants to step back from the producer role so, and yeah. focus on the playing. Yeah. So we can sit there and create a sound and then trust someone else to do it. Yeah. Because that's the way I've always worked as a, as a collaborator. I yeah. love handing my work over to someone else to yeah. see what they do. Yeah. Because, again, I'm a lot more... Forg- I mean, I'm about saying earlier about the art thing. I'm yeah. forgiving of my own work, but I'm even more forgiving of someone else. If someone else has, if someone else has made you not enjoy it. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so I'm, I'm happy to hand my stuff over to someone else and yeah. let them play. Yeah. And that's how I work with Ash and Mike. When we do the writing, I literally I start the core of the song and then throw it to the walls. And yeah, then when yeah. it comes back, we work together and finish that's, it. That's about right. Yeah. Um, and we're, I'm looking forward to this new record when it's when we start working on it. Ironically, I'm, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to the process of doing it without sounding really pretentious, <laughs> but doing it in a different way because we sort of like, well, we've done the DIY in our own front room way. That's yeah. in the studio. Yeah, yeah. Do it that way and, and hear what it's see what we can come up with you, and play around. I always think you find out a little bit more about yourself every time you set up a microphone 
yeah. with the red light on anyway and just um, and the more you do it <clears throat> the easier it is to find that um, excitement in yourself to be singing you know yeah. in a space that you're not confident you know that you would never see normally yeah. you know, the studio thing and then uh, and then just sort of give it the full performance I, yeah, and I, I can see that coming out more and more with your shows as well I see yeah. much more the comedy is tight you know and the singing is brave and ambitious and I think the first time I saw you I think there, there might have been a bit of almost I think it might have been solo anyway yeah. so you might have not felt as big I yeah. suppose it, it's a bizarre thing isn't it with solo it's yeah. just having two people on side with you is such a, bo- a like bonus. a crutch, yeah. 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 Um, but interestingly enough, I was sort of thinking, I keep on thinking every now and then, I do a solo show every every year or so. Yeah. It's sort of a reminder that I love, like, I do I really this. love it. It's great, <laughs> but I like, I love working in the band. Yeah. Because solo, I can stop songs randomly, like we're yeah. talking about, and fuck around with them, and yeah. then come up with something different. I always try and do my solo shows that are different from a Sweet Chunk show, completely, yeah. because otherwise, what's the point? Yes. And then it's just a Sweet Chunk show but less like diet chunks which is a bit uh, shit it's, it's different it's, it's not different. less I'm, oh, yeah, trying, yeah. I'm trying to I, yeah. I, I make it different yeah, yeah. rather than just sort of sitting there and going through the same songs but when you're um, in the band environment for us anyway for the, the Sweet Chokes thing is, is, is I, I'm able to turn the, the, over to Ash and Ash does skits Mike does little jokes I yeah. do things we do things together and play around and we riff off each other which is what I love about it that's yeah. um, and from the from the writing all up to the performance like you're saying about like creating that thing in a, in a studio or recording and creating that energy thing is yeah I remember when I first started recording I had red light syndrome terribly yeah your, your voice tightens up you can you can yeah. hear it in your old recordings that's the way but also I'm like I, I did Not it took me but... 20 odd takes yeah. for, for a simple line because I was just overthinking it and fuck it up and just yeah, start yeah. swearing and bouncing around and the guy just got used to me swearing like a fucking diva pretty much it yeah um, but now I sort of like you know take a few tracks there's a couple of if it's now it's a problem if it's a difficult vocal rather yeah. than I'm just doing the same vocal yeah because um, I got into a nice routine and it's weird where if you ever I, I'm tempted to next time we do a recording session is film me doing the vocals mm. because it must be fucking hilarious because I do this sort of power stance sort of thing <laughs> like and I start doing this sort of <laughs> the arms come up doing the full Freddie Mercury oh, to, great, to yeah. push myself into that's, doing it that's the way to do it and it, and it works you it should that perform, energy. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. rather than just sort of sitting there and nervously huddled by the microphone yeah and it's like you know it's it's not because we, we, we the, bit, the balance of the recording thing as well is deciding whether it's a a recreation of what's on stage or a separate entity entirely yeah. so it's like a, what we're we doing um, <laughs> is it something we can sell after we've done the stage thing now um, because I think it's one of those, the things I think is a bit of a shame in, 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 in music now is that a, is a CD is like you say it's like it's another thing to sell I'm not yeah. saying it's a bad thing I'm yeah. saying it's I like looking at it as a piece of work yeah. um, and yeah, I yeah, think yeah. you know having it and, and putting as much effort and thought into the live record, the record, as you do as your live show. Because yeah. we're thinking about gags in the show. There's a there's a song called Time, which is basically um, Iron Maiden get pissed, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the record, we did this thing that sounded great, which was um, during the solo, it just it might just go stop, and then we ordered some drinks at the bar. Uh-huh. And there's a little skit, and it works really well. But then you think if someone's listening to it on a record, yeah. 
over and over again it's like no that yeah, gets yeah, boring yeah. Yeah. so it has to come out and being that sort of thinking yeah, about yeah. the yeah. performance of the CD almost yeah. Um, but yeah I, I love putting that much level of thought into stupid ideas I, I, I appreciate it I love it I think you're one of the um, most fantastic minds I, I, I'm disappointed <laughs> you don't like your own art but hey yeah. other people do yeah. um, <laughs> I need to start doing it again yeah 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 um, I'm posing for a life modelling class just after I get back from Edinburgh. Um, no, I don't know if you're telling the truth or taking the No, it's true. No, it's true. And I, I have no idea how I feel about it. <laughs> but you should come along. Draw me. Uh, um, I'm <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Take your time. <laughs> um, thanks, man. Really appreciate that. That's really, really, really good. Um, I think there's more stories to be told, so we'll probably have to do a Stu Blakelich returns. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I love. It sounds. I don't mean in an artistic way, but I like talking about this. This how it how my brain works. Yes. Yeah. Because it I, helps, I, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. <laughs> I, I think I can't remember who was saying it. It was like Lily. Lily was saying, "I I know you, but I know that other people think you're an enigma." Yes. Which I never tried to be. I'm not trying to hide. I no, just of course of, it's not. But like it's just, just there's it's quite a dense. Yeah, the shit things to get to through. through. Yeah, before you start, get, it's a, it's a I, big, big bowl of yarn to undo. Yeah, <laughs> I still can't imagine um, a, a, a normal you yet. I can't. I still can't imagine the guy that's just sat on the sofa going, "Oh, fucking hell, and fighting or whatever." Yeah. So yeah, you're still I'm you're still there. Quiet. You're still you're still you're still sort of in the higher brow bracket of all that. Look. Anyway, uh, you need to eat. I need to eat. We both got feet. Let's get out of here. Yeah, good rhyming. <laughs> no, no, thanks. So that was me talking to Stu Blakelidge of the Sweet Chunks Band and lots of other things he does. Um, he's an amazing man, isn't he? I'll put some links to some of his stuff in the description of this. Um, what, a, what a great chat. He's a nice bloke. I really like him. I, uh, I, I always enjoy the moment when we actually get to do something together. And I like keeping an eye on all his little travels and stuff like that. They, they go all over playing. Um, so anyway, so that's that's uh, that's the chat over with. Um, just want to say thank you so much to everyone that's uh, oh just been involved. This week's just been absolutely amazing in terms of um, gig at- attendance and also um, people just getting in touch. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry if I leave messages for ages and, and stuff like that. I'm, I'm spending most of my time driving, but but um, but if you do uh, if you do send something, please know that it is read and it is all appreciated. Um, also, uh, thanks so much to everyone that's listening to this. What a, what an amazing thing. It's growing all the time. Uh, someone was listening in Cape Verde last week. Um, I don't know who the hell you are, but, um, please say hello. <laughs> what a great thing. Cape Verde. Um, it's good. It's, yeah, it's in quite a few different countries. The, the analytics are telling me that there's someone listening, which is really nice. Thank you so much. Um, I really hope you're enjoying it. Um, and yeah, and thanks for all the birthday messages. I turned 42 yesterday, so so thanks for all the messages on that. It's um, quite overwhelming uh, and just really nice, just lovely. Just uh, I feel extremely blessed, the wrong words. I don't know what's blessed me, but I feel extremely lucky um, in all these things. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond words with... Just how it feels. It feels really good, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you very much uh, for all those things. Um, I've got to get back on the road again. Uh, if you do want to support things, the best way is always to come to a gig, first of all. After that is uh, listening to the music, 
um, and share it around. Share stuff around, by all means. Tell people. Now, like I say, well, let's start a cult. I haven't mentioned the cult for a while. Um, but, you know, if we get the purple dungarees on, we can uh, we can do this just fine. Um, just millions of us marching around purple dungarees with a very handy pocket in the front um, for notes and bananas. And um, so that would be quite good. Um, <laughs> uh, the next thing is obviously Patreon. If you want to if you want to support every month, you can always throw a quid in every month and just uh, uh, it makes it all makes a difference. It, it essentially it keeps uh, it keeps the the overheads uh, sorted out. Essentially, that's what it does. And then I'm sort of left for the rest of the month to try and make the rest. And I quite like that. That's quite a, quite an incentive on on life. But also, the more things grow, the more uh, it can spread. And I don't know if if, uh, if you feel like this sort of thing should spread around a bit more, but it'd be quite nice to, to do that. Um, I'm already booking next year. If you're into the house show thing, if you like house shows, if you like a little a gig in your living room with me stood there singing songs and we'll chat and we'll have cheese and pineapple on sticks, um, uh, that's happening. I always try and do that for sort of January to March. Um every year um as a way of essentially fighting off the winter because everyone's sort of skint and doesn't want to go out for january to march but i've got to keep working so if you want to book one of those get in touch um i'll start the diary up for that i'm i'm gonna be i've already got some things booked already there's a few gigs booked for january um in various venues um including winchester and the isle of wight um uh at the end of February, I'm going to be in Guernsey. Um, sorry, no, at the end of January, I'm going to be at the end, in Guernsey on January the 31st. So if there is a Brexit, I'm going to be neither in the UK or the EU at the same time. Um, better take my passport with me just in case. Um, uh, and I've got a house show out there already booked for February the 1st. Um, and then at the end of February, I'm going to be a little bit busy doing some shows with the wonderful Lounge Kittens uh, for their final few shows um, uh, up and down England, where it's Manchester, London, and Southampton, those ones. I don't know if they're sold out or not. I think they're very close to selling out, um, if if not. So uh, so I won't tell you to go buy tickets for it just yet. But, um, but yeah, so I'm, so I'm going to be busy doing that. But there's some way of fitting you in for a house show if you want to, if you want me to turn up at your house and uh, we just get some people around. We put the hat down at the end. We, uh, we uh, just try and keep it all going, but... It's also my way of trying out new stuff as well because uh, uh, I'm writing the next album already as well. So you'll get uh, you'll get me throwing ideas around and improvising a bit more than normal and and all those sorts of things. It's a it's a much more relaxed sort of show. Um, yeah. So if you want to do that, that's great. Uh, by all means, uh, just get in touch and and say hello. Um, I really appreciate um, all the contact that all this is bringing to a life i really really appreciate it so um thank you very much i can't remember who's next week because um i haven't got my notes with me so i'm just going to say next week will be the fantastic and we'll be talking about and um but it's episode 10 next week we're at episode 10 already and that's amazing um thank you that's great that's it's, it's, it feels like we're 10 episodes into something uh wonderful so i really appreciate that um, so yeah, have a good week and, and, and you know do everything you can to to make sure the world is better at the end of the week than it started. 
Um, be kind, be nice, be sweet, be sexy, be wonderful, be you. Take care. Bye. Oh, I, I do know who next week is. It's, it's Ali Phelps. She's my mate. Ali Phelps, uh, she's a double bass player and she's a luthier and she makes double basses and stuff like that. It's a brilliant chat. I remember who it is. Episode 10 is Ali Phelps. Ali Phelps. Ali Phelps. It's episode 10. Ali, Ali Phelps. Ali Phelps. Uh, who is it? That's right. It's Ali Phelps. Episode 10. Uh, 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 that's the addendum on this one. Uh, bye.